is Clayton Howe's Entertainment X. For part two with Timothy Allen McDonald, we continue the conversation on the book thief, writing, kindness, work ethic, and so much more. So I hope you enjoy part two with Timothy Allen McDonald. These musical theater programs across the country, you know, for the next generation, is there a, a common piece you see missing from them or something that could be improved? Or is there any any thoughts on what could potentially be missing <laughs> from these theater programs across the country? They've, they've come a long way. They really have. But what I am constantly surprised at is how difficult people make putting on a show okay. and how much, um, you know, we all learn how to do a musical by whoever taught us to do a musical. There, in, in the United States, there isn't a program for educational musical theater. Like you could go learn to be a choral director yeah. or a band director or a visual art teacher, but there isn't even a certification program in teaching musical theater. And yet now in particular, from sort of fifth grade through high school, most schools worth their spit have a musical theater program. So who's leading that? You know, yeah. and what skills do they have? So, you know, giving our teachers um, the skills to be able to put on a, a musical successfully without the offstage drama. And it, you would be surprised at, at the rocket science that happens um, sometimes. You, that, you bring up such a great point because at my school, it was the choir director who in their Always, spare time yeah. on top of the after after school choir, it was additional, the theater program. So you're so right. That's yeah. It's and and let me get just a soapbox for a hot second. Please. The, the football coach is usually paid very well to do that. The choral teacher is just expected to do it and given no budget. So that's another issue that we have to address. Is there should be parity between sports and, and the arts uh, because they both serve different populations and overlapping populations. So that's another thing that I fight for is that, you know, I, when we train teachers, I'll say, yeah, you do march into your principal's office and you show them how many people came onto your campus to see your show. And you compare that with the football team and you know there should be parity in that. Um, and really make them advocates for themselves or get their parents to advocate for them. Sorry, I will get off my soapbox now. Boom, boom. Yeah, no, that's fine. Because every year when I watch the Super Bowl, I always have that thought, oh, imagine what theater could be if the same amount of humans were interested <laughs> they are in football. Right. And that's what we're trying for. And the reason we're all interested in football is, you know, it's all been it was forced upon us. We all learn it, you know. So let's make um, um, theater, in particular musical theater for me, let's give it that um, ubiquitousness. Yeah. Everybody gets to do it. That's so true. Um, switching gears slightly to Between the Lines. Fantastic. I so enjoyed Thank it. You. It's personal opinion. I really enjoyed it. Uh, how you talked a little bit about the process of you know co-writing it how was that for you how did that how did that whole thing play out i guess at this point afterthoughts <laughs> on it um anything you want to speak on well um just sort of free thought um Please. i was at a very dark place as a writer i had just completed james and the giant peach with um Pasek and paul and the production process of mounting that show was horrendous for all three of us. It was just, uh, that's a whole nother podcast and maybe a, a movie, maybe a television series. I'm not, it was just really, really terrible. And I had decided 
that I was not going to write musicals anymore. I was going to stay safe in my lane in the education world, even though that writing musicals was the whole reason I moved to New York. Um, so Daryl Roth reached out to me in an email and asked if I would be interested in meeting Jodi Pico um, to talk about uh, turning one of her novels into a musical. And the weird thing about it is that I, of course, did my research on Jodi, and she had written um, the books of musicals. She has a teen troupe of performers, and she has scripts that are published. So I couldn't figure out why I was at the meeting um, unless it was just to give her advice on, you know, overall process or if she wanted to go to licensing or, or whatever it was. But once I got into the meeting, um, it was very clear that, well, Daryl just asked Jody, so you're going to write this? And she said, oh, hell no, not me. Mm-hmm. And so Daryl said, well, who do you think should? And I was like, oh, oh, me, me, let me do it. Because I'd read the book um, and I was fascinated by it because it, it was really, really daunting and scary um, because of what it was. You know, it's a lot of sort of a science fiction romance YA, uh, the, the original novel. And it didn't have a proper ending to the book because it was a two book series and they were just writing the second book. Mm. But what I was really excited about was all of the other work I had done before. The source material, the novelists were all dead. So it was really exciting for me to work with a living author um and to see what that experience could be and it proved to be just just so phenomenal that you know we're writing another musical now currently and we have a third one in the works so um that 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 was like the big like takeaway for me was like having the the person who's sparked the idea for the novel there so i could go to them and say this ending isn't going to work on stage at all it's just not satisfying it won't work could we come up with a new ending that will satisfy your fans, but also lean in to the medium of, of live theater? And, um, you know, that's what we did. Was that um, particularly difficult, trimming down an entire novel to a two-hour musical? It was the hardest adaptation process I have ever experienced. Um, and, you know, I'm currently working on The Book Thief, which is based on an over 500-page novel that is almost poetry. And that was also very, very difficult. But Between the Lines was, uh, it, it just had so many challenges. Um, the book has two, print, two leads. Delilah and the prince have equal um, weight in the original novels. You go from one chapter from their point of view, the next um, to the others. And that's really hard to do in theater. You you really do need one protagonist. It's just because it starts getting confusing. The audience doesn't know whose story it is, and so we went down all those paths. I, we you know we tried to do it with two protagonists, and then there was disagreement as to whose story it is. Was it Oliver's story, or is it Delilah's story? I was always Team Delilah and fought really hard. I was right. <laughs> <laughs> there wasn't a right or wrong. But yeah, it was. Um, yeah, it's interesting though because it's hard for me to name, and you could school me real quick, probably, on how many stories have more than one lead. It always comes down to one lead. Yeah, I story. don't think there are. Yeah, what's that? Every every single story, I think almost. I yeah, theater is very limited, and um, and and it's a very good 
a good thing once you lean into that. But, you know, we really tried because, you know, I'm also a big believer in, in Sondheim and James Lapine of like, just because it hasn't been done doesn't mean you shouldn't do it, you know. Like the BMI world of like a musical is a formula, not that they teach that, that's not completely it, yeah. but you know, that you need to have a want song and that want song has to come in this position. You know, I'm a believer that the story dictates the structure. And so let's not worry about, you know, a classic structure. That works great if you're doing The Little Mermaid as an animated film. That structure is very helpful. Sure. But if you're if you're taking something like The Book Thief or Between the Lines very different, the structure has to follow the storytelling. Um, yeah. Are there any common pieces of incorrect advice you hear in the entertainment industry or in life? Wow. Incorrect pieces of advice. Where to begin? You know, I, I, yeah, where to begin? And also, like, I don't know. I'm, I'm always drawn to the to advice that is helpful. So you know, it's it's uh, I, instead of looking at the stuff that doesn't work, you know, fake it till you make it. I think I understand it as a as sort of a catchphrase, but. You know, you shouldn't be faking anything. You should do everything you can to learn everything you can about your craft. That doesn't mean that you're going to be perfect at it. You know, there is that imposter syndrome part to every career. I've been writing since the 90s. Um, and it's only in the last probably three years where I feel like, yeah, I know what I'm doing. It's okay. Yeah, I got this. I'm, You know, no one's going to come in and tap me on the shoulder and be like, you, you do not belong here. Go away. It's, you know... <laughs> Um, but you know, I've, I, you, the only way you can learn anything and become truly, um, good at, at it is, you know, you, you practice, it takes thousands of hours of just doing it over and over again. Um, and that's really hard to do, uh, in musical theater writing because I mean, where are new writers getting the opportunity to write musicals that actually get produced? And if the shows don't get produced, then it's really just uh, sorry for this term, but it's just writing masturbation. It doesn't, it's not adding up to anything. Um, the proof of the pudding is when you're in the three dimensions, when you've got your actors and your, your production team, and then ultimately an audience, because until a show's not a show until it has a live audience. Mm. Um, so I think that fake it till you make it is one of the things that I'm like, no, 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 learn, 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 learn. Believe in yourself, um, but um, that doesn't mean you're just like out there being like, I'm a writer. And pff, yeah, you got to actually got to do the work. That's so that is so true. And I you might have just answered this and it's also something you might not encounter much anymore. But if ever self-doubt creeps in, is there a self-talk you have to keep yourself moving forward? Yeah, I have. I have quite the internal monologue going on all the time and it, I'm either really, really mean to myself um, or I'm really like my best friend coach. Like, you got this. Calm down. You know, it's it goes one one way or the other. Um, yeah. Did that answer your question? Yeah. No, no, no. It's always interesting, too, because I notice a lot like typically when there's when you have time to think <laughs> is when the self-doubt comes in. And when there's a problem and you don't have time to think, which would be a good time for maybe self-doubt, you're fixing the problem. You're not actually <laughs> sitting well, there. I, in a... <laughs> I'll give you a good example. So we saw uh, the first 
uh, tech dress rehearsal of the book thief the first night and it was the first time we'd seen it on on stage with lights costumes the whole bit and just blown away no audience mm. then we go back and see it another run the second um tech dress and with no audience i worked myself into this whoa this pit of despair of this is the worst thing ever it's boring it's dull nobody's going to care about this what have we done it's just the worst and then and and so i'm sharing this with my collaborators i'm like y'all what did we do it's so dull it's and uh then we had a performance that night with an audience completely different experience and the audience is laughing and they're quiet and they're leaning forward and then it, the best thing is at the very end we got this spontaneous standing ovation when we had been told over and over again that british audiences are not going to respond that way they're just way more reserved so do not expect that you know america we love everything they'll let you know so when they stood on their feet we were just like oh but then also i was like uh oh, note to self only attend one tech dress don't go twice <laughs> it'll never be the same <laughs> no you can't because you just start you start like picking all the flaws yeah oh that's yeah no thanks for sharing that because it's i think that's so it's so interesting what we think perceived versus what's reality is that's yeah. Um, since the pandemic, even, are there any changes you've made that have increased positivity and decreased negativity in your life? Yeah, I'm um, I'm more I, I try to be more empathetic and try to be more understanding towards the people I encounter. I really think that the answer to all of the world's problems is kindness and giving people the benefit of the doubt. It's very easy to hear something and to color it with your biases, my biases. I don't, you know, um, so I really do just try to sit back and, and listen. And when something hits me a certain way that may hurt my feelings or cause self self doubt, go back and be like, well, are you sure that that, that was the intended message from that person? Or is that person, and if it was, then, okay, what's going on with that person? And um, just try to, you know, lead with empathy and kindness. Mm. It sounds cheesy, but it's true. It is true, though. It is true. Um, how, do you, how do you view or balance achievement versus fulfillment, if you're thinking of it that way? That's fascinating because there is, I find writing musicals very unfulfilling. There's never, there's never a moment where everyone's like, you know, it's just there's never a, a finish line. It, you know, yeah, you you do that performance, and it's all there, but it, that only happened live in that moment because live theater is about that audience, that performance. So, yeah. it's um it's a very frustrating um, artistic outlet. Unlike, I guess, and maybe other artists feel this way. You know, painting, you're like, whoo, it's all great. Um, you know, there it is, and it will always be the Mona Lisa. Um, also, you know, you, so how do you base what you do, like your worth or the satisfaction or the achievement? It can't be on critic response because that doesn't make sense. Um, you know, are you, are we going to wait for the New York times to just anoint you as the next whatever? Well, that happens once every 10 years. 
Um, yeah. But that doesn't mean, you know, and, and yet people have amazing careers. When I get really down on like critical response, I just, I'll read the reviews of Wicked and, and just <laughs> lean into the fact that um, it just has to come from inside. And, but also ultimately it comes down to the process. If you love the process, of writing and, and creating a new musical and being a part of it, then that's that's it. That's your achievement. That's your satisfaction. If you don't like it, why are you you know why are you in that world? Um, uh, Kristen uh, Anderson Lopez, you know uh, Bobby and Kristen uh, Lopez, who you know wrote Frozen and all that. Um, Kristen describes musicals as like you when you get the opportunity to go into the coliseum and fight in other words like you're off broadway you're broadway you're west end whatever that's the whole that's all you live for and that is in itself the satisfaction and i love that thought is that if you get to pick up your sword one more time and go in and hack up a scene that you wrote to make it stronger and better mm. wow that's achievement mm. what a great answer <laughs> <It's> a great <laughs> answer because yeah, yeah, it has to come from within. It really does. Do you have any most gifted or favorite books? Books to musicals, yes. Books to musicals, novels. It um, have to be, be in theater, any really, any. You know, I I am working on the Book Thief, but that novel is well. It's so good that Jody Pico is only envious of one other writer of note and it is marcus zusak who wrote uh, the book thief it is pure genius the way that it's crafted it it it's like um a whip stitch in sewing it goes backwards and forward at the same time and then slowly rolls and advances um it's i mean there's a reason that 16 million copies of the book have been um, sold and why it is required reading in schools all over the world mm. it is um, it's true genius so I you know I would hold that up there and then in the more sort of embarrassing thing I anything by Anne Rice okay <laughs> so any of the vampire chronicles the witches I love the world she creates I uh, yeah I love it. Metaphorically speaking, if you could put a word or a phrase on a billboard for millions of people to see, does anything come to mind? Kindness. Kindness. Just it, it, truly, I honestly believe that if we just would take the moment to be kind, that people who you disagree politically or who you have issues with would be solved because there's just a core of like, we're all humans. We're all on this journey um we're all going to die another message in the book thief mm. so what are you going to do with that what are you going to do with that knowledge what are you going to do with the, that life mm. kindness tim this conversation is so special thank you for taking the time oh. is there anything else you want to add before we wrap it up here today um i, I you know i want to thank you for you know seeking me out and and for seeing between the lines in particular i'm so proud of it and it it you know every time i saw it i i left just feeling like the world's okay i'm happy i can write the story i want if it's not the story i'm in it's it's such a uh it's such a bop both in the music and the book 
it's funny and poignant and silly and uplifting. So, you know, thanks for like seeing the show. And uh, I'm glad you responded positively enough to like reach out and be like, I should talk to this dude. Um, <laughs> so, well, of course, it was it's fantastic. It is. It is. And I, I think I think any show that can educate while entertaining and you're sitting there and you don't realize you're being educated, but you really are being schooled, but you're being completely entertained. Anything yes. that does that, I think, is just gold. That's the Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Like, how do you change the world? Is that you you put your message out there in a way that is fun and positive and mm -hmm. makes them laugh. Um, didacticism rarely works. So, mm -hmm. and I'm glad you caught the message because it is in there. Yeah, it's not. It seems like it's just cotton candy, but nope. Well, this has been great. Thank you so much for taking the time. You, yeah, you too. Thanks, Craig. People of the world, Timothy Allen McDonald. You've been listening to Entertainment X, the podcast. You can follow Entertainment X on Instagram at underscore Entertainment X underscore. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join Clay next week for another curiosity conversation on Entertainment X. Thank you for listening.